The transformation of New York's criminal justice laws in recent years, including the reduced use of monetary bail restrictions, has led to increased scrutiny of the state's pretrial services, particularly outside of New York City. In response to the disparate system in place outside of the five boroughs, Assemblymember Anna Kellis, an Ithaca area Democrat, has introduced legislation creating a state office of pretrial services within the Division of Criminal Justice Services. And she joins us on the Capitol Press Room to discuss her proposal and the problems it could address. Welcome back to the show, Assemblymember. Uh, thank you so much. Wonderful to be here. So for starters, when we think about pretrial services in a criminal matter, what can or I guess should those services consist of? So when we are thinking about pretrial, what we pretrial services specifically, we are trying to support the person and ensure that they return to court with the latter being the primary intent and there are certainly cases where it has been found that there's supports and services that are needed for an individual in order to support them and ensure their return to court. You know, I think it's important to remember that if someone has been charged of something pre-trial, innocent until proven guilty, we do want to make sure, though, that they return to court and go through that process. So things like making sure that they are connected to social services, that they're connected to make sure they have housing, make sure that they have transportation. So there are things that will increase the likelihood that they can return to court. And those are things that some of the examples of things that we consider pretrial. So when we think about the services that are provided outside of New York City in particular, what does that landscape look like? Is there any sort of consistency? Is there a certain level of quality services that are provided? What does it look like? So there are 11 counties in the state that provide pretrial services that are from a community-based nonprofit. The rest are predominantly from probation. They are provided through the departments of probation at the counties. And there are certainly statewide standards of things that are provided. And then there's a lot of difference between them. There are some that go above and beyond making sure that a person is is truly supported. You certainly want to minimize any continued you know, engagement in activities that could lead to criminal charges or additional criminal charges. So there are some programs that really emphasize mental health supports and substance use support, for example. There are some that may be more baseline, helping them access um, social services, helping them access housing. So there is a baseline in what is provided, and there are certainly programs that go above and beyond. So your legislation would establish an office of pretrial services within the Division of Criminal Justice Services. How is that different from the status quo? So right now, from the 2019 law, which set up the requirement of providing pretrial, and it was established under the Office of Court Administration, and it was pretty 
truncated description of what was required, particularly of the OCA, that essentially that every county needed to establish, whether it be through the municipality, through the county, or a community-based nonprofit, and that there was a list of data that would need to be collected. But it didn't go into great detail on what training would be required, what best practices would be required, would the entities need to be certified, and would they be continuously evaluated and need to be continuously recertified? Was there a mechanism for decertification if baseline services were not sufficiently being offered? And then the outreach and training. So that's what this bill establishes. It goes into great detail. Because DCJS has a lot more experience and are required to provide a lot of those types of services to agencies throughout the state for things that are overseen by DCJS, like providing training, like providing best practices, like providing standardized tools and certification, it seemed much more appropriate to have this office be established um, at DCJS rather than OCA where it currently is uh, because it aligns with work they're already doing. So, you know, those are some of the things that I think are critical. This change that we've seen since 2019, there's been an increased use of pretrial um, or or directing people um, to pretrial services prior to their uh, court date. But there is no real training that's been provided for people where there are some cases where over requiring uh, services or accessing services or engaging with services can actually lead to, um, to, to more harm for an individual. So they're being over programmed during that window. There are other people that are high needs people that really could benefit from it. So there's training that's needed for the judicial system as well as agencies on how to specifically evaluate individuals to provide individualized services that will best support them and get, you know, ensure return to court. We don't wanna over prescribe the programs and then underfund the programs because then of course we are shooting ourselves in the foot by you know hurting the programs and minimizing or reducing the quality of the experience for every individual. So those are that's just one example of the type of training that would be provided by an office of pretrial services. And um, plus of course the collection of the data as well as validation of the tools that they might use, the questionnaires, for example, to evaluate what kind of services individuals would best benefit from. Those are types of things that we would want a State Department to get more in detail so that we can maximize the effectiveness of this program. So when you think about the goal of your legislation, is this primarily about increasing the rate of criminal defendants who appear for their court appearances? Or is it primarily about ensuring the right approach to each individual who enters the criminal justice system, like how you talked about finding the right balance of what they need uh, to return to court or, or what other services they might need as the result of their life conditions? It's really both, honestly. Um, and I, I think it's important to note that, um, that a lot of those circumstances 
can deeply influence whether or not someone does return to court, depending on their per their their particular individual circumstances. We need to be first identify those circumstances, identify the things that could create risk and barriers and challenges to returning to court, support them in those ways. So yes, it would create increased consistency of return to court. We have an opportunity when someone has a their first engagement um, in the criminal justice system that we can actually stabilize our population. And it is taking advantage of that. That is part of um, what pretrial services can provide um, is that is that support. So they're really intrinsically linked. And I think that's important to note. If our ultimate goal with everything that we do in criminal justice arena is to improve public safety um, for everyone involved, public health, public safety, this is incorporating that mindset into that as well, but it is taking a very scientific approach to it, using best practices that have been identified at the state and federal level um, through science to show that they work. And after a quick break, we'll have more with Assemblymember Anna Kellis, an Ithaca area Democrat, who's introduced legislation designed to improve the quality and consistency of pretrial services all over New York. for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local state and federal government entities at wgpfoundation.org. For listeners just joining us, you're listening to the Capitol Press Room, and we're continuing our conversation with Assemblymember Anna Kellith, an Ithaca area Democrat who has legislation designed to improve the quality of pretrial services around New York. Well, as you mentioned earlier, aside from 11 counties in the state, it primarily falls upon county probation departments to administer these pretrial services. So considering the primary focus they have, which is to oversee people who have gone out the other side of the criminal justice system. Do you feel like they have the institutional purpose to handle people who, as you said, are at least at this point in the game, still innocent? I think that that's you know, part of the question that we're trying to address is that the entire focus, culture, agenda, funding mechanism for probation is to work with people coming out of the carceral system. This is a very different population. And if we are questioning that, if we're saying that they're not a very different population, then we need to sort of reevaluate our whole idea, concept, support of innocent until proven guilty. This is a population that is pretrial. And for that reason, a, a different population, we can't make an assumption on the get-go that everyone is guilty because that is literally not true or otherwise why do we have a court system 
So it is fundamentally different population. The other issue, though, of course, that we do need to look at is we have probation departments throughout the entire state. They work really hard at doing the work that they're doing. Many of them, and you know, as a county legislator, hearing lack of funding, need for more funding, you know, that was constantly a conversation for what they were already doing. In 2019, this was added to most of their plates. And in the first several years, there was no additional funding added to it. Only in the last two years has there been additional funding, um, and this is two years, but this is not a permanent budget line. There has been $20 million put in each year for two years for every program across the state. So this is a statewide one-time funding. And the, there's, you know, there's two issues. One is, is that enough? Do we have any evaluation of what would be needed? The data shows, because there's been such a significant increase since 2019 in the use of pretrial services, that it isn't, it's not pegged to anything, but also because it has been one time and only for the last two years, the data shows that there hasn't been any hiring of new people, um, any significant noteworthy hiring of new people in these offices, of course, because the agencies don't know whether or not this money will continue to be there. And you can't hire people with one-time funding. This is an opportunity for us to evaluate and say, okay, of everything that we've put in place, this needs to be more explicitly spelled out. And let's do a deep dive on where it would be the most effective and where it would be you know, the most successful and efficient. And this bill outlines having this office in DCJS, establishing best practices, and then in three years, creating a mechanism where these services are provided by community-based nonprofit organizations and agencies. That model already exists, as I said earlier, through 11 counties. And right now is really the time to do it. Because the changes in the state's pretrial detention laws have resulted in more people being able to avoid jails prior to their trials, is there any sense that some of the funding for pretrial services should be shifted away from what might have traditionally been spent on pretrial detention? We have seen a significant drop in the pretrial detention, and that is absolutely, I think, a valid consideration. If this is all reaching the same goal, we do need to look at the distribution of the money that we have to make sure that we are using it responsibly. We have seen a significant increase, both in New York City and outside of New York City, in pretrial services. So it would beg that question. But I do think that it needs to be part of a comprehensive evaluation. The full range of pretrial services that someone might access include drug treatment. And in addition to accessing drug treatment, there are also these criminal drug courts in parts of the state. And it's been reported that there's been less of a reliance on drug treatment and people turning to drug courts in large part because there's not that coercive element of pretrial detention hanging over people's heads. How do you ensure moving forward that people take full advantage of pretrial services aside from those just designed to get them to return to court like drug treatment? Well, I mean, I think the point is, is that you have to be individualized. And that is why the bill has been drafted in the way that it is, including the training of motivational interviewing. 
you know, that is listed as one of the requirements of training for staff. Why would we include that? Part of it is you need to have the ability to truly assess the need of the individual. And when you've tailored the program to the needs of the individual, you're much more likely to truly support that individual rather than creating a blanket list of programs that we sort of unconsciously and automatically set as requirements for an individual regardless of their needs. One, you end up with a lot of people that are overprescribed, and two, you end up a lot of people who have mismatch for their actual needs. The way that it's been de designed in that way was very intentional, and the data from programs that exist throughout the state and programs that have been evaluated that exist throughout the country, and there's there's some pretty amazing research on this, has shown that when you do align the program requirements to the needs of the individual, and in particular, based on needs that have been identified by the individual, then the participation rate and success rate is significantly higher. So that's part of what this is designed to do, is align what New York State is doing with identified, validated best practices in the field. So, so do you not think there is a benefit to the coercive element when it comes to getting people into drug treatment? So requiring them, for example, to do family court, drug treatment court, and establishing required daily items within those or activities within those. You know, in some cases, for some individuals, that still may be required and may actually be successful. The thing that's important about the way that this is written is it doesn't exclude existing pretrial programs, and it is not prescriptive demanding that it include only certain items and not other items. The point of the way that it's written is that it incorporate all of those programs that align with best practices, and it allows for the flexibility based on individual evaluations. Is there an expectation that if your bill was to become law, that it would remove any sort of ambiguity or wiggle room in terms of what is expected of counties when they're providing pretrial services? Or are you concerned at all about the possibility that county leaders or department heads could still exercise enough autonomy to not necessarily provide pretrial services that are up to snuff? I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, I think I'm, from what I've heard from counties, there was this feeling like, you know, here was this new thing that was kind of thrown at them without a lot of guidelines and a lot of guidance and a lot of support. I think it's the exact opposite. I think that this will actually create a mechanism that they will have a department at the state level that's 100% dedicated to supporting them doing that work that the state would be providing best practices, providing tools, providing training. Right now, it's figure it out, figure out the mechanism, evaluate yourself, and then send us this X, Y, and Z data. What we're saying with this bill is that that's not enough, that we feel that they, are, they actually need more support than that. This isn't about being prescriptive or restrictive on counties. Although, you know, it, it, I think it should be noted that the bill does require after three years of being enacted that pretrial services would be provided by community-based nonprofits that would be contracted by the counties. The other thing that I do want to point out from your previous question is that this doesn't remove discretion from judges. 
to assign someone to drug court or family court or release them, doing a conditional release, assigning them to pretrial. This is specific to the, what would then, if they were assigned to conditional release, what would that support for them look like? So it's two levels of support, what it looks like for support for the individuals and what does it look like for support of the agencies providing the pretrial services. I would not read this bill as prescriptive or top-down hierarchy of demand although there is a component of it that requires that the uh, the state would monitor the performance based on the data that's collected and maintains the certification uh, for the agencies that would be providing the pretrial services. Well, finally, something like this bill and the massive scope of it seems like it would be more likely to get done in the context of the budget than standalone legislation. And, and maybe you'll disagree with me, but assuming it does have to get done in the budget where a lot of big pieces uh, of legislation are, are tucked away, what do you see as the path to achieving this in the budget? How do you sell this to not only your colleagues, but the, the second floor? I mean, obviously, you've, you've given me the scientific evidence-based approach to it, but there probably needs to be some more sort of persuasion to it. So how do you get this done in Albany? Well, I mean, first of all, we need to have the conversation, and this conversation is already happening. I'm part of this conversation of We've, are, we've got a system in place. Are people happy with the existing system? Would this be a system that people would feel were more effective and would actually bring a sense of relief? Um, and that is the sense that I am getting in uh, on many fronts, um, to be clear. And, you know, is where the current requirement um, sits in OCA, the best place for it is DCJS, a better place for it, to establish, if you look at precedent, it's actually quite negligible the amount of funding that would be required to establish an office. I, I remember recently for, I think it was for uh, indigent defense, it was 1.5 million and that was for an entire agency where this would be an office within a larger you know, DCJS. Um, so the establishment of the office itself uh, may be something that could be done in the, using existing resources or predominantly using existing resources, which then begs the question, would it not then need to be in the budget, which is what we're evaluating. But I think that there is a, a chance that it would not need to be in the budget because of that. Um, and, and then it would be a conversation of, you know, what would be the priority needs over the next couple of years that they would need to establish. Um, so I don't think that it's a done deal that it would need to be in the budget, but I do think that it is very important that all the stakeholders, you know, have a voice in this, um, that they, you know, communicate what is the impact of the existing system, and that there is a lot of education that we do on what would be the impact and the benefits of this new form of a system, given that it's already required. I think that's the proper conversation, not that this is something necessarily fundamentally new, but a transition of something that we already have in place. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with Assemblymember Anna Kellis. She is an Ithaca area Democrat. Assemblymember, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. 
Is your business, agency, or service interested in delivering your message to more than two dozen radio stations statewide carrying Capital Press Room? If so, visit capitalpressroom.org to contact our underwriting team.